lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? <laughs> but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's all in sports. Jake Seeley, your host as always. In case you're coming from today's wonderful guest, I'm at Olin Kid. You can find me there for all my links, all my tweets, all my everything, all my snarkiness, if you enjoy that. So check that out in addition to the fact if you're listening out there and you're not part of the athletic, first, I'm not sure what you're doing at this point because it's got every team, every sport, continual off-season coverage of baseball. We got basketball, football, and that's all fantasy, including the teams that you root for. So if you go to theathletic.com, the name of the show, so theathletic.com slash all in sports, 30% off the first year. You don't have to even pay full price because you listen to this show and you love me. Or maybe just you love today's guest more. And that's certainly fine. So let's do that. Let's just jump in today. Let's get you some information to help you with week 11 of the fantasy football season already. And this week's guest is definitely one of the best in the business. If you're not following Jeff Ratcliffe at Jeff Ratcliffe, I don't know what you're doing because if you're at Pro Football Focus, I, I would have to assume you've seen his great work. If you've listened to SiriusXM, he's an award winner for a reason. At Jet Ratcliffe, like I said, and before I miss anything that you have out there, your podcast, your show, your articles, I'll let you handle all that, Jeff. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff and where they should be looking for it. Sure, yeah, pff.com. That's a very very kind words you have for me, Jake. Much respect <laughs> on this side, too. Jake is uh, one of the best in the biz as well, and that's why you're listening to this pod. So anyway, pff.com, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeff Ratcliffe, on SiriusXM. We also have the... Uh, PFF Fantasy Podcast and, but wait, there's more. Sunday mornings, 8 to noon Eastern on, on CBS Sports Network. Uh, that other pregame show, uh, yours truly on TV there, talking fantasy on an NFL pregame show. It's the best of both worlds. You get like the pregame talk and the fantasy talk. It's just great. I know that's it. It's a show. I usually have it on background at some point. You know how it is trying to work and pay attention at the same time. Like, I give you credit because I actually did a show. It was last year or the year before and right up till 12. And I know you are as interested in getting your rankings as accurate as I am. We're very intent on doing so, but I got to give you credit to be able to be accurate and have a show go all the way up to noon. I know that I know that pressure on top of you. And it's just, there's only so much you can do. And you don't even know what happens from noon to one. So typically, <laughs> we'll pull the curtain back a little bit here, right? So in order to be accurate in rankings, you obviously have to adjust throughout the entire week. And the most important adjustments are at 1130 a.m. when you get all the inactive information. Right. A lot of times we know that, but there are some crazy ones. Like LaShawn McCoy this past week was a little, little bit of a surprise, right? <laughs> yeah. Matthew Stafford in the morning was a surprise. So... For me, the show ends at noon. I'm, I'm actually done at about 11.53 every week, to be precise. I run upstairs. I change quickly. I go downstairs, get in a car, and go from 
57th Street in, in Manhattan, all the way down to Penn Station. And <laughs> as I'm there, I have a Wi-Fi hotspot that I'm updating rankings. So I can't do it before that point. And I typically am not done when I get to the train station at 12.15. So I run down underneath like the, the underground area to Starbucks so that I can get onto Starbucks Wi-Fi and finish my rankings. And if I'm <laughs> lucky, I'm done at like 12.35. And then my train is at 1245. Oh, <laughs> so. I, I'm, I'm laughing because I understand the, the, the aggravation, frustration, <laughs> the, the, I, not even the aggravation, just the pressure because yeah. I, you know, I, I actually watch my church from home, even though I'm local, I watch it online now because we have online because I used to go there like, I actually got a ticket one time coming home because <laughs> I was trying to get home so fast. <laughs> and then on top of that, do this show and all. So I'm there with you. But I want to take so before we get to some players, right now you've been talking in Pro Football Focus about how to manage your teams. And it's around this time, you know, trade deadlines are coming. The getting the best out of your bench is something I usually talk about every single year. Uh, so let's start there. Let's start with the benches. Uh, and I say now is about the time. Obviously, if you need Brian Hill to start these two weeks, you go immediately pick him up. But if it's only going to be a two-week solution like that, I hate carrying two quarterbacks. But now is the time I say, you know what? I don't want to be in week 13, see my guy go down, and everybody else has two quarterbacks, and now I have to start Ryan Finley. I also say maybe there's a backup tight end who has a nice playoff schedule that I want to grab. Again, just in case of injury, I make sure I have my handcuffs. Are you on that same page, or do you wait like another week or two just to try and make sure you're actually in the playoffs? Well, I mean, there's there's certainly merit to that because you're not guaranteed to be in the playoffs until you clinch, uh, and and a lot of teams aren't clinched at this point. I am in one league where there's a ten and O team, so whoopity do to them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I agree with you in that you can't ever have enough depth at. Uh, you know, certainly at running back when you talk about handcuffs. Quarterback is interesting because, you know, you have somebody like Daniel Jones, for example, who's heading into bye and coming off a strong performance. And we've seen these big time upside games out of him. So we know he's capable of it. So he's an interesting guy to stash. And, and Jake, I know that a lot of people do this. And if you're listening to this pod and you do this, stop doing this. Okay. When you go to make your waiver claims, don't sort by projected points, okay? Because all the people on by, like Mo Sanu didn't show up last week, okay? You know, you don't want to do that. Darius Slayton wasn't there this week when you were picking him up because he's on by. So I, I always like to just, you know, get a good list, get Jake's list, get my list, get, get whoever's list you trust, and then go down through the list and start picking guys up. Uh, and, and use those bench spots wisely. I, I don't have a huge issue with carrying two quarterbacks right now, although I, I kind of like the flexibility of still having one. Like, if you have Lamar, I think you can get away with it, or, you know, if you have one of those, there's really only about five guys I'm trusting as an every-week starter. But I, I think we have to go back to the handcuff thing because, you know, I, I have a lot of folks saying, you know, I want to pick up guys who I can start, and, and that's great because everybody wants to do that, but you're just not going to be able to do that in most instances. So it's the implied value of these handcuffs. Like if you're talking about a deeper guy, like you have, if you have somebody like Larry Fitzgerald, for example, and, and last week was about his ceiling at this point in Larry Fitzgerald's season, are you really going to start him very often down the stretch? I don't think so. So if you're using that bench spot, you're already, you're already good with your starters at wide receiver and you have a little bit of depth there and you're using a bench spot on Larry Fitzgerald. Doesn't Alexander Madison look a lot better in that bench spot? Doesn't Tony Pollard look a lot better? Or, you know, any of these high upside, even if those guys are already owned. What about Ryquel Armstead? What about, there you go. 
Gus Edwards. I mean, you know, it's not sexy, but if Mark Ingram goes down, Gus Edwards is at least an RB2. I think that's a much better usage of the bench spot than using it on a low upside guy who's probably never going to start for you. One other quick point, too. You mentioned trade deadlines. So trade deadlines coming up. I don't know about you, Jake, but I get a lot of questions of people saying, you know, I just received this offer. Should I accept it? And, and first and foremost, the, the question we need to ask isn't should I accept this trade? It's does this trade make my team better? And if it right. doesn't <laughs> or if it's just sort of a push, then you probably don't have to take the deal. But if you're getting offered a, a, running, a wide receiver in exchange for one of your running backs, almost any of those times, it's not going to make your team better. Unless it's some kind of crazy, you're getting a top five guy and giving away an RB2. Okay, I get that. But typically, if you're giving away uh, running back depth, somebody asked me, hey, DJ Chark, I'm getting DJ Chark giving up Le'Veon Bell. And it's like, no, do not do that. Don't give up your depth. I know you're disappointed in Le'Veon Bell, but he's been a top 12 guy in each of the last two weeks. He's running back depth. Who He's a guy who sees volume, and you need that down the stretch. So, I, just a common theme that I'm seeing, and I, I don't think you should be giving away those running backs right now. No, I'm 100% with you. It's funny that both of those things you're talking about, <laughs> just in the waiver column this week, I told somebody asking about dropping Larry Fitzgerald for Brian Hill, Royce Freeman, or Reichel Armstead because he owns Leonard Fournette. And I said, yes, all of them. Like, yeah. it's just, And the thing to go to your point right here is the Brian Hill one is, I bring up Brian Hill as to what you just said is stop with the like your running back depth is so hard to find. Look how bananas people are going for Brian Hill, who essentially might only be a two week option. And you want to trade because you like as somebody with James Conner, Joe Mixon and Le'Veon Bell. It's funny you said Le'Veon Bell, too. And that's, you know, Conner. He's coming back. But too questionable. But like they're in the RB2. They're locked in the RB2 conversation. But it's like, hey, you know, should I trade Le'Veon Bell? Very similar trade to what you said. The next best running back he had was Latavius Murray, and he doesn't own Alvin Kamara. And I'm like, no, because now you're immediately back in the same boat most people are with questionable depth. Exactly. And we don't want to. How, how often does it happen? I mean, ask anybody who had Todd Gurley last year, <laughs> who steamrolled <laughs> through their season, only to see CJ Anderson roll for one and literally roll because he was round 167 <laughs> yards and a touchdown in week 16. And if you didn't have the depth to sustain that, you thought you were good. You thought you were golden with Todd Gurley you very well could have lost your fantasy championship as a result of that, not having depth. It's just so important. You may not use them. You may never use them, but the implied value of some of these guys, like if Dalvin Cook goes down, uh, Alexander Madison's top 10, if not better. You know, right. if Zeke goes down, uh, Tony, Tony Pollard's Pollard. top 12, if not better, right? You know, even as I mentioned, Ryquel Armstead, who, you know, Temple University I'm shout out, he'd be an every down guy. Go back. It's, Wayne Gallman was RB1 for his one week. Wayne Gallman with the rumors that say, I don't think Saquon gets shut down, but Wayne Gallman is like a must own, you know, like yeah. all of these guys out there and it, people, Jake, people keep saying, oh, my waiver wire is picked over. Okay, well, pick it over even more. Be a trash picker. Like you think it's garbage? <laughs> Still pick it up at running back. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Any other advice before we get to some players that you're looking for for people now in this time of season? Well, I always, I mean, it's the same advice I always give is keep it simple. People overthink roster decisions. And I, I, that is one of the secrets of what we do, Jake. You know, it's like, yes, we put a lot of time into this, but when it ultimately comes down to making my own start decisions, I 
make it as simple as possible. I don't overthink it. I don't fret over, should it be this guy or this guy? I'm literally, I'm ranking these guys for a reason and then I'm following my rankings and, and really keeping it streamlined. If you do that, you're not going to be right 100% of the time because nobody is, but you're going to be right more often than you're wrong. Yeah, 100% with you on that. So let's talk some players and see if we can get you more right than you are wrong. How about that? Is that there you go. Transition? First off the top, Let's go back to Brian Hill, uh, and there's the two running back situations here. You know what? I say there's a lot of people asking me, and I'm sure you're getting the same question, should I blow my number one spot on Brian Hill? You know, and a lot of these people with number one spots seem to have playoff teams because they probably haven't had to make too many moves the past couple of weeks. And I tell them this, and I'm curious if you're the same page. I say yes, because unless – to your point, like Tony Pollard, Raquel Arsett, like there's a lot of high end handcuffs still on your roster or your waivers, maybe if it's a 10 team league. Otherwise, I'm saying yes because I say this it's week 11. What's possibly popping up the rest of the season? Not much. Are you really going to wait for week 14 to hope that a Todd Gurley situation has? And then conversely, what if Brian Hill does smash these two weeks and Devontae Freeman comes back into a backup role? So I'm going to chase that upside and I'm wondering if you think the same. I, yeah, I do. And and part of it, too, is putting up the blocker. Even if you didn't necessarily 100% need him as a starter, then you know he's better on your bench than he is in somebody else's starting lineup. And what you're getting with him, other than the likely two-week rental, is you are getting a handcuff as well because Ido Smith is on injured reserve. I don't see Kenyon Barner or Quadriolis in emerging anytime soon. So I would go after it. And I think Hill is interesting. We know he can carry the load. I mean, he had 349 carries in 2016, <laughs> which is like, that's enormous in the college level. He, the one thing though, Jake, I went back through my, my comps for him and uh, people may not like this comp because I have a Jay Ajayi <laughs> as his <Yeah>. comp. <laughs> He's that's the type of player he is, but if he sees 20-plus touches again, he's going to be a fantasy factor. He's going to be an RB2 or better uh, the next two weeks, and so you're going to be able to start him, and then Freeman has proven as an older running back that he's not the most uh, healthy uh, player out there, so you could still have more weeks of Brian Hill. I'm, I'm with you. I, I would use, would have used that, or if you have waivers running on a Wednesday night, then I would still use the first priority on him. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right, so let's talk about another one, whether or not he's out there. Let's talk about the startability of him. With no Ty Johnson, this Lions backfield has been a mess. And I kind of feel like it's almost the Dolphins are like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we pick the lead guy, but who still really cares? Do you have value for McKissick? Because at least he was in the flex conversation, and now with a few more touches, or are you thinking – Paul Perkins and all that elusiveness that people saw coming out of college. Like, do you think that McKissick's role doesn't really change much? And as bad as it might be, like Kalen Balazs, at least Paul Perkins is now more involved. So McKissick is just McKissick. I think there's enough to get about a dozen touches out of McKissick, which I think is flex worthy, just given the PPR value. You know, if he does go out and catch another six balls or so, hopefully a little bit more efficient on a per catch basis adds you, you know, if he gets you to double digit, let's say he does get something like six for like 35, get you close to double digits in, um, in just receiving. I think he's worth it. I I'm not going to fall for the Paul Perkins thing. We've been down that road before. <laughs> uh, would it, would it surprise me this season? No, nothing will surprise me this season after a lot of the stuff that has happened, but it is a bit of a mess. And I think that Miami backfield is an interesting comp because, well, not only because of the New England connection there with those two former Belichick disciples, but uh, 
it's it's terrible. I, it is just Miami's backfield is absolutely terrible. Kalen Bellage is not an NFL starting caliber running back, and I don't even think he's an <laughs> NFL backup caliber running back. He can't create on his own. He can't catch a cold. I mean, it's it's just bad there. At least McKissick gives you that, uh, but Paul Perkins not going to fall for it. So I think if you're desperate at flex and McKissick was out there, you could get away with it. Just have to, you just have to realize who you're starting and what you're likely to get out of them. A hundred percent. I'm with you. I've always said like Balazs is basically Darrell Greenbeckham for me. Like, okay, all the athleticism in the world, he just doesn't know how to play football. That's just the yeah. truth. That's what it comes down to. All right. So somebody who does know how to play football, eh, there's a transition for you. Darius guys. So I don't know where I, I'm going to kind of fold in a question for you into the fantasy relevant question and give you what I said about Darius guys coming out of colleges. I like them slightly better than Lauren Fournette. I thought, similar to Leonard Fournette in college, you didn't realize he was a good pass catcher because LSU doesn't throw to their running backs. Actually, they finally started <laughs> recently. It took them only until 2019. But the fact is, is I like them a little bit more, but it's funny he's going down the same path. I don't say funny as in, like, ha-ha. It's just funny as in more ironic than anything. Is you know, injuries the first two seasons – and now he's on a miserable team with a miserable offensive line with a rookie quarterback who essentially shouldn't be starting till next year because he's very inexperienced. And that's not a fault on Haskins. It's just where he is. Are you on guys of a stash for this specific season? Because I think a lot of people are in him for future, but for this year, because I'm not, I'm actually in the, if you pick them up and anybody wants to give you trade value, go ahead and trade them because what point do the Redskins have in trying to get this guy potentially hurt for the third time already? Yeah, that is certainly part of the equation. You know, there's sort of two schools of thought. Like, do they just put him in bubble wrap for this season, just ride Peterson into the ground? Or do they see what they have with him? That's the one thing that has me sort of somewhat moderately intrigued. It's just tough when you have a bad offense to, to generate much in the run game, and I don't expect things to change. The only thing that I do expect to be consistent out of this offense is the consistent references to the fact that Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaurin went to college. Yes, we get it. Yes, we <laughs> Wait, know. They did? <laughs> did you know that James Washington and Mason Rudolph went to college? Did you know that Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round? No. Like, we get it. We do get it. Um, I, I think, you know, if, if you're in a situation, though, where running back is super picked over and you did pick him up, and you don't have much there, that's the one spot where I wouldn't trade him away. But if you are feeling comfortable and you could get something decent in, in return for him, I don't have an issue with that. I, I just think with, with Callahan there, there still is that possibility that they say, you know what, we're giving guys 25 carries a game down the stretch and just seeing how this thing works. <laughs> well, because Callahan is probably like, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be the head coach next year anyway. Yeah, so what do I care? <laughs> what do I care? <laughs> here's, a, here's one I'll give you because the answer is easy for me. And I'll give you – well, no, I'll save my – I'll give you my answer of what I said on, the, on our show after you give me your answer. Rest of the season, Darius Geis or David Johnson? Oh man, that is terrible. Oh no, here. <laughs> now, okay, I'm gonna, that is so terrible. I'm gonna give I mean, you. Like, I'm gonna give you my answer. Now, I'm gonna. I'm gonna help you out, Jeff. I'm okay. gonna give you the answer because right, this is what go. I said on my show. I would trade David Johnson for even before he got hurt again. I would even trade him for Brita at this point because what I said is you can't start David Johnson the rest of the year. You cannot because. Zero touches, well, essentially zero touches the last two times he suited up. He missed the game mixed in there. The schedule is awful. Chase Edmonds is coming back next week, if maybe even this week. And you're going to need a good game before you can start David Johnson, which I don't think you're going to get. So I'm getting rid of him. I don't even want him on my team anymore. 
so NFL teams, they, they can lie to us, right? That you can have a head coach, a GM or whoever, an owner Whoa, standing at a hold podium. On, hold, on, hold on, Jeff. You're telling me coaches don't tell us the truth. <laughs> they, yeah. They certainly don't tell us the truth. They can stand there and they can lie to us. What was that Tom Brady to thing? Faces. I never heard that before either. <laughs> but, um, but here's where they can't lie. They can't lie with their draft picks. They can't lie with their roster moves, right? If you're, you know, it's the classic like, oh, this running back's hurt. We don't know if he's going to play, but we also called this running back up from the practice squad, right? Right. You know, the tips are hand. Well, we were all reading the Kenyon Drake thing as, uh, you know, adding some depth, maybe because, you know, DJ Foster went to injured reserve. Maybe that trade was really because David Johnson is completely cashed out. Like he's completely done. And they needed something to go along with Chase Edmonds. I mean, that is within the realm of possibility. This is purely speculation on my part. But when you watched Johnson play last week, and even if you watched him before the injury at the beginning of the season, yes, he did okay in the passing game, but he had absolutely no elusiveness in the beginning of the season. And, of course, that was on display with his you know, basic, basically minimal touches this past week. Uh, maybe he's just done and maybe they, the organization saw that and they needed to address it and they could get Kenyon Drake for what they got him for. So they went after it. You know, I, I don't know, but I am with you. It, I, I was crazy when I went through rankings yesterday and I was like, Oh wow. David Johnson's outside of the top 30 and I'm considering <laughs> putting him outside of the top 40 this week at running back. Like I'm with you. I, I think, you know, when you look at the two, who has the better chance of giving you upside down the stretch? It actually is Darius Geis. I'm not that comfortable with it given the offense, but at least I know that a younger player who has shown some juice in his limited opportunities can possibly give you that. Well, let's not forget, Adrian Peterson did put up over 100 yards against the Bills. It was a fading run, yeah. run defense there for the Bills, but at least there's still you know, that opportunity, that potential. It's funny you say that. As of today, right now, David Johnson is running back forty-three, and that Oof. pains me. And I, oh, I, because yeah, I love, I love David Johnson so much. But hey, here's the other thing to think about too. And this is the other way I spend it as well. Is he's on the roster next year? If anybody's seen the dead cap hit, he's not going anywhere. So yeah. there's another one similar to Darius Geis. If you know, not essentially put him in bubble wrap, but if you're stuck, I don't want to say stuck because he's a great talent, but they are essentially stuck with him even if he was toast. Why not make sure they, hey, maybe we can get something out of them next year. All right, so speaking of injuries, so we got Nick Foles coming back. Now, here's the problem, and this is what I want you to answer, and I know you don't have the answer. We're doing our best guess, and this is, as you said before, we want to be more right than we are wrong. So your best guess of the situation, because Nick Foles all offseason was, oh, great rapport with D.D. Westbrook. We get one preseason game, good rapport with D.D. Westbrook. D.J. Chark has broken out this season, and Nick Foles has essentially not really played with him in his breakout. So when Nick Foles comes back this week, do you expect the pecking order to still be Chark, Westbrook, Conley? Do you think Westbrook potentially leaps back into the number one? What are you making of this situation right now? And is Conley in the conversation? Because Conley had a rapport with him too, but not quite what D.D. Westbrook had. I still think it is. Uh, I, 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 what Chark has done this season is he's shown a versatility that he didn't really show at the college level. And sometimes it's similar to what you mentioned about running backs. Sometimes we just don't know if they can catch the ball. Well, sometimes we just don't know if they are going to turn out to be polished route runners or better route runners. He's not super polished, I shouldn't say, but he's a much better, more versatile route runner now than what we thought of him coming into the league. Right. So, you know, with, with him, I think that bodes well for him going forward. Plus, it gives you that big body target that Didi doesn't give you. But Didi, 
I, his outlook is positive. He, there were people asking me, I didn't include him in my waiver recommendations this week because I just assumed that he was a little bit more widely owned. If he's out there, you absolutely should be picking him up because he gives you uh, the potential for a decent floor in terms of uh, targets and obviously has the ability to run after catch. Now, Conley's going to be interesting. And this is why I kind of dig Nick Foles. I'm not saying he's a top 12 guy, but he's certainly going to be a streamer more more often than he isn't down the stretch. He's got this, he's got all this talent, like all these fast guys, like every single one of those guys is what sub four, four, right? Like <sighs> this is, that's more speed than he had in Philly. And the, the, the thing that I liked about Foles and there were, there were some problems with him in Philly. Like if Eagles fans love him for what he did in the playoffs as they should, but he showed some deficiencies as to, at times. But what I really liked about him is when it came to Chuck in the deep ball, he really didn't care. He would just throw it, right? He didn't have to wait for certain guys to be open. He would just fire that thing downfield and trust that they were going to get to the spot. And so when you have three guys like this who can run and, you know, get downfield, I think that does bode well. And we did see a little bit of that with Gardner Minshew. And let's not forget, Gardner Minshew was essentially a top 12, top 10 fantasy quarterback this season. So, Foles doesn't offer as much as a runner, but he offers a little bit with more with his arm. So I think there's certainly capability there for Foles. And I would go with that, that same packing order that we have right now. All right. So I'm with you. I'm definitely with you across the board on that. All right. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of tight ends because tight end is what has been most seasons now. It's turned into a wasteland. I mean, a little bit of revitalization this year, but it's certainly fallen off, especially with injuries now getting into the mix here. So Noah Fant, Darren Fells, Mike Kosicki, Hawkinson and Goddard. If you had to pick one, maybe maybe two as a second one as a backup for people out there. Who do you have the most confidence with rest of the season? Oh man. Well, I think <laughs> I would have to pick man, Goddard and Fant, I think would be the the direction I would go. And I'll tell you exactly why. So with Goddard, the Deshaun Jackson to injured reserve really does change. Not that we, you know, we added much of him this season anyway, but it does change the direction without him on the field they can't really do some of the things they have maybe come into the season intending to do. So what we've seen is, you know, the very beginning of the season, they weren't the top in 12 personnel, but they were always going to be up there. That's why they drafted Goddard. Now they are by far the top in 12 personnel. So Goddard's going to be on the field a lot. He's playing great football. Zach Ertz is still the lead dog, so don't be worried if you have Zach Ertz. But can they sustain two top 15 fantasy tight ends down the stretch? I think they can. So I'm going to go with him. And the reason why I like Fant, is he is part of this new breed of tight end with the athleticism off the charts uh, and and has flashed and was able to flash even with Brandon Allen under center. And I, I'm hoping they ultimately do decide to go to Drew Locke here down the stretch, which I think would only help Fant, but it's more of the, the upside play there. Whereas you look at Darren Fells, he's a red zone machine, sure, but they're also running a lot of 12, and Jordan Akins gets plenty of targets there as well. So it's not as good of a situation maybe as Goddard. It's a little bit volatile, especially considering he's basically converting all of his red zone work, which eventually <laughs> doesn't happen. Uh, Hawkinson I like, but the inconsistencies there, plus if Stafford is healthy, then we know who's getting the ball first and foremost. It's the three wideouts, and then Hawkinson's kind of picking up the scraps. And Gasicki, I like that he's taken a step forward this year, no doubt about it. Uh, I don't think we're going to see many of those six for 95 type games out of him, though, unfortunately, just given the overall state of that offense. So I like him in Dynasty. I like all of these guys in Dynasty, but uh, if I had to pick two for me, Fant and Goddard. Well, Goddard first, then Fant. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that same page and for all the reasons you said. So let's turn this to wide receiver, get you two more things and get you out of here. These four wide receivers, one fewer than tight ends to choose from here. We have Isabella doing a lot on little opportunity. Uh, Michael Hartman doing the same thing. And then you have Hunter Renfro, who has sneakily been the best receiving option, including Darren Waller, for the Raiders over the past couple games. And James Washington, who you brought up early, is finally showing that rapport that, hey, he played together in college with Mason Rudolph. <laughs> so your top option from them, and then, again, your second, just in case. I do like Andy Isabella just in, in, in just as a person. He came on the Sirius XM show and was pretty oh, cool yeah, in the pre-draft <laughs> process. Friend of the program. Um, and he did increase in snaps this week. Ran, he was on the field for 26 snaps, but he's he's unfortunately out there. You know, I think going forward, we're going to see a lot more Christian Kirk. By the way, Christian Kirk faces the best secondary in the NFL. No, he is not playing the Patriots. The 49ers are the best secondary in the NFL this week. So be careful with Christian Kirk. But uh, I'm going to toss him, and I am going to toss McCole Hardman from that list as well. It, it, yes, he has the ability on any play. But I don't want to bank on that. So I want to go with guys who are at least seeing some more volume. And you mentioned Hunter, Hunter Renfro. It's not sexy. And, and it's bizarre because if you looked at him, like if we walked by Hunter Renfro on the street, we'd be like, who is this guy? <laughs> Who's this guy, this 40-year-old dude with the receding hairline? But he's a really good football player. Like sometimes you just, you, you know, certain guys just know how to play. He's one of those guys. And he's a great fit in that offense. So I actually kind of like him. He's not the high ceiling guy that you'd get out of Washington, but his floor is enough. And he's, he's shown the ability to make some plays as well. So he's got a little bit of a ceiling to him. So I'd go with him first and foremost, and then, uh, you know, airing toward, towards the floor. And then I'd have Washington as the two. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Washington looks like he's finally taken that spot from Deontay Johnson, which is something. Where were you on, just as a sidebar, as, where were you on James Washington? Because I thought he was a great deep ball ball tracker with basically kind of like a Mike Wallace potential. Which is interesting because he didn't test that well out out of pads, right? Didn't he run like right. a four, five, yeah. one or something he, like he that? He was one of the ones where definitely, you know, the testing and the film didn't seem to sync up. Yeah, yeah, because in pads, he, he was much quicker. Uh, I did expect to see that downfield ability, and I think obviously that's why the, the Steelers drafted him. It's nice to see it finally in a regular season game with Rudolph because we had seen flashes of it in the preseason, et cetera. Um, I think overall, though, long-term, when you look at the this receiver group that they have other than Juju, I think the more complete receiver is Johnson. So he's going to be if, – if you ask me, like, who do I prefer in Dynasty, yeah. I do prefer Johnson just a little bit more. I think all three of them should be rostered, especially, you know, hopefully we'll get a couple years of Ben left. And if Ben's on the field, it's a completely different scenario. Maybe it's a different scenario there for, for Washington as well because we know Ben can chuck it. Um, so, yeah, still Johnson, but it is relatively close there. And everybody freaking out about Juju. You couldn't have expected much with Mason Rudolph under center. Juju's still a really freaking good football player, though. So don't do anything silly like selling him in Dynasty. All right, yeah. Last one. And now I'm going to – this is kind of like similar to David Johnson, but at least he's healthy. But I'm asking you this because I dropped him, and I did victory laps of dropping him. Not victory as in I was right, just victory as in happiness. Laps. Maybe we'll call him that because I made excuse last week. I made excuse the week before. I told people last week, I was like, all right, give him one more chance. The Giants give up more big plays than anybody in the NFL. 
Robbie Anderson could have had a big play if Sam Darnold had just hit him on that play late in the game against the Dolphins, and we wouldn't even be talking about him as a disappointment. But now, are we done? Is Robbie Anderson, are we dropping him? Because he looked, you could excuse him and say, look, there's another good matchup this week. This is what everybody wanted for the Jets, but at what point are we finally done? Are you, I guess is the question, are you finally done with Robbie Anderson? Because I am. And and this is tough for me because I am a Temple University alum, so uh, my Temple guys always have a soft spot in my heart, but after seeing, uh, we knew Jameson was going to be used, so that's not a surprise, but after seeing the increased workload for Demarius Thomas and how he's responded to that, I, I mean, you're really looking at Anderson in the role that he was probably best suited for, right? He, he's not next receiver. He's, he's a nine-route receiver, really, for the most part. And they were kind of trying to use him as, as an X. And it didn't quite work. So now there's going to – to me, here's what he is. You ask me if I'm dropping him, yes. He's a DFS punt. That's kind of where he is for me now. Like, you know, you're going to probably get him on the cheap. You hope that he he hits a long touchdown, so you reach value, and that's about it, and you call it a day. It stinks, but that's where we are with Robbie Anderson. Oh, it does stink. But you know what doesn't stink? Make sure you're following Jeff at Jeff Ratcliffe. And one more time, tell everybody the myriad of things, including the Sunday morning, to follow you guys or follow you specifically to make sure they're getting this advice. Yeah, sure. So pff.com, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, the radio show is on from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. The podcast goes every day of the week as well. And uh, that other pregame show tops on CBS Sports Network. It's 8 a.m. to noon Eastern. We do seven fantasy hits throughout the show. We have a little bit of fun with it as well, but always trying to deliver the most uh, up-to-date information, current information as you're setting all those lineups in the war room on a Sunday morning. Yeah, got to love him. Please give him a follow. Please listen to his advice. You'll be a better fantasy player for it. Jeff, I always appreciate it. We'll have to talk again in the offseason. I don't want to take too much of your rest of the season time up. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Always a pleasure, Jake. Once again, that was the terrific Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. I hope you guys are listening and following him. And before we get out of here, as a reminder, some DFS suggestions for you guys. A full DFS show over with the footballers, myself, Chris Meany, Joe Holka, every Friday morning for you guys. But to preview that a little bit, I'm going to give you two that I'm looking at, FanshareSports.com, another little promotion for you guys that they've done just because they also love this show. Just niceness that they have. If you put an all-in kid there, you get 20% off. But this is where I get the projected ownership and running back because of the disappointments. If you read my sleepers this week, I am back in on Devin Singletary. The snap count was there. The usage was there. Of course, you have to worry about Frank Gore vulturing the touchdown, similar to Matt Forte of years past, but not with Frank Gore, but you get my point there. The usage is there, and it's a dolphin. So the upside's there. I think that Devin Singletary's usage could get back two weeks before, and the usage wasn't even that bad last week, but we saw two weeks before the upside he brings. The price still does not reflect that ceiling. So Devin Singletary is the one I like there. And at wide receiver, yes, it is a questionable quarterback situation. Brandon Allen might not be as bad as we think, especially if he's going to force feed Cortland Sutton targets. And as the Cowboys just showed, you can attack the Vikings defense this year. There is nothing to be afraid of. Bumpy roads, open roads, whatever you want to say, it's not going well, except they're against the run. So if the Vikings are going to do the same game plan they did last week, which worked out for them in the end, and stopping Zeke is they're going to go after Phil Lindsay and Royce Freeman, should open things up for Cortland Sutton. Obviously, it falls on Brandon Allen's shoulders, but at a low ownership down by Ted Ginn, who has fallen behind Traquan Smith and Traquan's first game back as snap percentage, 
I am going for that. Including, who else are we talking about? Cole Beasley's down here. Philip Dorsett's down here. Give me Cortland Sutton this week. There's two sneak preview picks. Again, the full show. That will be out Friday morning. This show will be back next Wednesday, as always. Good luck in week 11. I appreciate you guys. Theathletic.com slash all in sports 30% off. I'm at all in kid. Hopefully you have good success and win in week 11 and are on to the playoffs.